Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Previous guests include Kevin King, Stephen Pope, and Roland Frazier. Today, I'm speaking with Howard Tai, the CEO and founder of Signalytics, and we will be talking a lot about his experience being a top 50 seller on all of Amazon and the strategies that he has implemented to continue to find success time and time again. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Howard, I started Hadley Designs back in 2015, and I grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years. But I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a little bit longer. At times, I doubted whether our business could even survive and become a real brand. I wish I would have had a guide to help me grow faster and avoid a lot of those stumbling blocks along the way. If you've hit a similar plateau and want to know the next steps to take your business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com. And in your subject line, make sure you say, strategy audit and kind of plead your case as to why I should choose you as the person to win this comprehensive strategy audit. And don't worry if you don't win this month because you'll be entered to win for future months to come. Without further ado, I am excited to introduce to you Howard Tai. Howard is a former top 50 seller on all of Amazon and his origin story as a seller is an epic itself. Between selling thousands of units of hoverboards daily and battling with Amazon Incorporated on Amazon, Apple actually, on Amazon, the story of his humble beginnings is a story too long to tell. He began his journey as an educator by single-handedly spearheading the training of Chinese sellers on Amazon. The insights that Howard provided and the tools he developed led to what many in the United States consider the Chinese takeover of Amazon. He has saved, started, scaled, and sold hundreds of businesses via Amazon and other virtual platforms, and he's done it time and time again. So welcome to the podcast, Howard. Well, Howard, your bio speaks volumes about the experience that you have. Um, obviously, you've had a lot of success on Amazon. You've taught a lot of other sellers, and you've been able to help them you know, grow uh, their businesses and rinse and repeat. You've just had success time and time again. So Howard, let's dive it all, you know, take it all back. When did you kind of migrate from eBay over to Amazon then? What year was that? Um, we were actually doing really well. We were doing eight figures before going to China doing Amazon. Uh, we did, uh, uh, let's see, um, we did eBay worldwide. We're talking about worldwide. We were the first person to do like um, eBay UK back then. You know, when no one was really going towards that. I'm not sure exactly when it was. Maybe 2006, 
Okay. Uh, and then we were going into like uh, different countries, you know. First, local marketplaces in the United States, such as um, it was Jet back then. You got Jet.com. You got like uh, Rak- uh, I, I'm trying to remember Rakuten. Rakuten, got, yeah. We got uh, you know uh, what. I think it was uh, eBay, and then I don't remember exactly what other marketplaces, but then we expanded to other countries' eBays, uh, other countries' local marketplaces, Price Minister, Lazada, um, and um, Marlboro Libre, um, and so on. Uh, I remember there was a lot of other uh, other countries had like, really small little marketplaces that we were in. So... Mainly, we're marketplace heavy, as well as we on the side we created our own websites um, to facilitate uh, some of the you know orders and stuff like that coming in. Not just uh, marketplaces, but but um, also websites. And then we, from 2009, uh, I was I wanted to kind of go to China because I just felt like I, we were doing wholesale back then, right? We we're doing all these like uh, MP3 accessory, uh, netbook accessory cases, and we're okay. Saying, you know, I'm I'm shipping it from different different factories. We were not consolidating it in enough. We weren't able to <laughs> put a lot of our stickers back then. Because back then it was really uh, everyone wasn't into like uh, helping you label it a certain way because they didn't know. So okay. we wanted to have a base in in China to have everything consolidated so we can actually push uh, everything to the FBA or our warehouse in the U.S. We actually had a warehouse in the U.S. at the, at the time as well. So <clears throat> we moved uh, to China in 2009, Sunjen, and we started um, um, collecting a lot of uh, good talent there, um, employees. Back then when employees was about a 1,000 RMB person. So that's okay. It was really crazy. What is that in USD? Just out of context. $150. $150. Is this like a month then? A month. Okay. So that's where, and then it was really hard because uh, I was, I had to like, uh, my servers, I had to build it in the U.S. and kind of carry it over to China because, uh, you know, because the there wasn't really a lot of talent in there back then for the servers and stuff like that in China. So, uh, and it costs a lot, it's like three or four times as much as the U.S. So we're, we're like, I was like carrying like laptops and uh, servers back there to set up the first, uh, uh, operation or company that we, we set up in China. So that's where we, uh, that's how we started. Um, then we built about 150 people team through, uh, in China, maybe about like 100 of 100. And then we had 50 people in the U.S. for warehousing and local, uh, like local marketplaces. So that we uh, grew with. So that's kind of how we became 150, 150 people strong. Uh, I remember that we had like, Twenty or thirty thousand orders in one day through our fulfillment wow. center that we built. So it was, it was harder back then because there's no like it wasn't like FBA. We weren't really yep. in FBA until like maybe late late 2015, 12. I forgot exactly when exactly. Okay. We did. But uh, we had to do everything ourselves. So learning curve was a lot harder. We need to be proficient in warehousing, automation, and um, streamline everything and hiring. Uh, so it's not like right now. So right now it's really pretty easy because you only have to worry about shipping your products from the manufacturer to uh, FBA as well yep. as as well as just uh, doing the marketing side. So fascinating. So no, no, you were no, doing 
no no customer service and no warehousing. So that's like half of the problems, right? Oh, yeah. Well, out of your 150 employee team at the time, how many of them were, were spent just focused on the manufacturing and fulfilling orders then? Like what percentage of your team was spent on that side of the business? I would say uh, one, one fifth of the people. Okay. One fifth to one sixth, one fifth to one fourth of the people. Okay. Because we had, a, we had to have a lot of people packing and, and also, uh, uh, yeah, looking after that side of the business. Awesome. What's interesting, Howard, about your experience is that you are basically doing FBA, but doing it yourself well before FBA even became a thing, right? And so, Obviously, I think all of your experience on different marketplaces and you were honestly in the, the early days of e-commerce shopping, right? Like you, you were out there, you know, really kind of pioneering a lot of what we see today. No wonder you had such great success once you moved over onto the Amazon platform. So, Howard, why don't you let's pull back the curtains a little bit and tell us more about how did you become a top 50 seller on all of Amazon, what were what were the things that you were doing um, in the hopes of being able to share some actionable advice with our audience and listeners that they could then implement in their own business? Well, first, um, I would say that uh, you know, right now in the, in our environment, uh, yes, back then it was a lot easier to sell on Amazon, but right now there's a lot more resources than back then. Right? You have all these events. You have all these uh, people who knows it things, you know, for, for my side, I, I would probably say I was a little slower at the very beginning because we didn't have any uh, people who are experts and knowledgeable that would be coming out to speak about uh, things. So there's a lot, there, there's a lot of uh, hope nowadays. So back then we would have to learn a lot of our things ourselves. There wasn't no, not much help out back then. So not even people that are within that uh, realm of knowledge of selling international marketplaces you know there wasn't really a system that was there that would help you so we had to build it out ourselves so we kind of like either in the very beginning without the resources hacked it kind of you know like how do we put the labels correctly where it prints out international orders you know with those funny uh european uh, symbols like germany yeah you know? so yeah i don't even know what you call it so we had to replace it global replace uh some characters and and this and that so it's kind of like it's a lot harder back then, but right now it's streamlined. It's so easy, you know, for international selling. So, well, and each person, each company, they have their going through their own problems. So you need to uh, right now uh, be able to, for me at least, for me, I had to go through like uh, intensive, like from we starting uh, to sell on um, single marketplaces to trying to expand to multiple marketplaces. You need a system. So what system we used was like a channel advisor back then, before they even went public with with, uh, with Scott there as the CEO, and and then and then they went public, and then we went to through like uh, before that it was like uh, Andale Vin, Vindio, Vindio or something like that, and then we finally uh, took um, channel advisor as one of our um, main um, software that we use for multiple marketplaces and and, and so on. Um, and, uh, then after that, oh, shoot, um, we need to systemize the, the process. So how do we do that? We had to implement like NetSuite back then in 2000, I think it was 2000 and, uh, NetSuite was probably 2000 and like, 
hammered walls or something like that. It's pretty early back in the days where there wasn't any of the integration through like uh, how do we bring in all the marketplace orders into Etsy? It's an ERP system. So I would say like people who are like eight fig, uh, like almost eight figures, uh, maybe even five eight million dollars and up should be using an ERP to grow to uh, scale your business. Uh, yeah. And why why is that? I th- I think that is important advice. Why should somebody that's about eight million and above be focused on an ERP system? Tell us more about that. Um, it's accounting, right? You have um, you have you have a lot of uh, products coming in. You want um, you know, know analytics. You need to know your numbers. You need to know how uh, to automate everything through workflows. Through so, if you can do everything like that through uh, automation then you would probably need something like a, an ERP uh, system, a warehouse management system, as well as, you know, like your marketplace uh, system. So there's a lot of things that go al- along with uh, trying to scale and be fast. So, yes, it does cost money, but it's going to get you there faster, right? So, it, like, um, you know, like, this is how it is in the businesses. Like, it, things cost money, but it will eventually be more um lucrative or be able to scale faster you have employees you know you get like cheap employees let's say you know here you would get like someone like maybe uh i don't know now it's like in the u.s is probably like four thousand dollars that's the minimum wage right now i think <laughs> but yeah. back, so, so back then it was like a lot less it was like sixty eight dollars but um in california so um you know like you're not going to get someone to help be able to help you you know at that price you need to really actually Finding people who actually has the talent, has the knowledge on things, and be able to hire them, and then be able to help them with their knowledge already, come in and absorb their knowledge to into the in, um, in the company, and be able to uh, help build out the building blocks within your your uh, company that needs it. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. So, as a top fifty seller on Amazon. What do you attribute a lot of your success to? Was it, you know, you were really good at finding, you know, trending products? Or was it, you know, you guys had some amazing ways of like getting external traffic to your listings and just like your marketing was incredible? What do you attribute most of your success to, to becoming a top 50 seller? I would say back then, right? There was not any much external traffic back then because there, on Amazon, it was pretty easy. So within Amazon, if you learn how Amazon works, what the algorithm wants, you give the algorithm what they want, then it's pretty easy to go up there on ranking. But um, on a side note, like you need to be very, um, you know, be very like ever changing, right? (laughs) Gotta think about new marketing tactics. Like we were one of the first people who tried to do bundles, right? On eBay, if you see these products, oh, uh, uh, why am I buying a Samsung cable when other people are selling a Samsung cable really cheap? I'm selling it, but but what should we do? How should we compete with them? Well, but when they want a cable, they might want a case. So we do a combo of a case and uh, and a cable. But it, it went to like a in, out of proportion where we had to do like 15 pack bundles. You have a case, you have a cable, you have a screen protector, you have a um I, I don't remember like all these other different items, you know. So that 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 is a is great for um, marketing because you're the only one that has that particular bundle. But the problem is it 
there's a complexity in there. Pick pack ship problem. How are we gonna how are we gonna ship all these fifteen products in a speed in a faster way? We're not gonna go through like uh, uh, like like linear going through the warehouse, going and pick fifteen fifteen products and into a box, right? That's a lot harder. Where we had to invent a system where we go in and pick all the products first, put it in a certain section, and then go and uh, get them and put it into the box. That would be a lot faster than having to go each order going down the warehouse A to Z to one uh, for all fifteen items. But when we go through the A to Z, we could pick a lot more uh, orders instead. So pick them up at front um, and you know just like kind of like try to like figure out how we're going to be able to do this in a more efficient way. Interesting. So what I'm hearing is that when you were looking at product opportunities on Amazon, you were looking at spaces you could compete in and then saying, how can we come up with a product that's differentiated or what's our product offering that maybe is more valuable, right? And so you brought a lot of creativity and innovation into, you know, kind of more boring markets, so to speak. Is that correct? I would say so. Awesome. So, Howard, right now you do a lot of consulting, right? I think you, you no longer sell on Amazon. Is that correct? We do. We have a, we have a wallet we're, we're showcasing okay. right now. So we have so you, a wallet. We do sell currently. We're trying to build a uh, brand out of it with uh, multiple uh, different style of wallet and different brands. So just so that we can showcase what kind of services we offer and being able to scale uh, brands and being able to exit eventually. So that's one of the things that we're kind of um, doing as a case study and showing showing it off to everyone. If you follow me on Facebook, you probably see some of the things that we did. We do blogs on it as well. Awesome. So basically, you're you've you've got this wallet. You're showcasing and documenting your journey of how you're going to kind of scale this brand up, then, which is awesome because I know. Howard, one of the many things that you have your hands in is that you actually do a lot of consulting for successful Amazon businesses and helping them scale to eight figures and beyond. So, Howard, why don't you talk to us more about, you know, maybe do you have any case studies that you can share with us uh, about maybe some of the brands that you've been able to consult with? What happened when they came to you? What strategies did you help them implement in their business and, and where did it take them? I would say that there was one that um, that I was in actually in Hong Kong when I was stuck in the box with the where it was kind of like I got uh, to get um, uh, in China for uh, trying to get to China. I was trying to I went to Hong Kong waiting around for a year inside Hong Kong. I met a friend uh, at the time was like a client and then becomes a friend. I, right now clients become friends. So. Um, we looked in, in and did a partnership, and we did like uh, we grew the business about like two times, uh, and became bestseller within that niche. Um, there was a lot of things that we had to fix because he, he was being attacked left and right. Build out a team, making sure there's SOP involved, uh, and then KPI for the employees, uh, and make sure that we also know how to do the marketing correctly as well. So we did that. We um, created, it was like uh, the growth was probably 100% within time. Maybe it was from uh, 6 to 8 million to about like uh, 15 to 15 million, maybe something like that. So awesome. So it was, uh, it was really a good um, 
the case study because it's a lot faster, right? The hardest part is when you start up, you don't have all the reviews. You don't have all the you know, things in place that you need. You know, you don't have all the uh, logistics solved or manufacturers solved or pictures done. You know, there's a lot of things that probably uh, like uh, it'll take you like six months to kind of have everything in place. And then the other like other time you're trying to you know, rank at this point in time, back then it was easy. Well, you, well, back then it was like a year ago, but I mean, it was it was a lot a little bit easier because. Amazon changes every day, feels like. Yeah, I, I completely relate with you. And what I heard from that kind of brief case study that you shared is that you kind of had three things that you focused on with them. They were getting attacked left and right. And what I want to do, Howard, is actually dive into these a little bit deeper. Okay, so this brand was getting attacked left and right. Um, what, what I want to dive into is like, all right, so what did you do to help mitigate those attacks? Next, you also did, you helped them implement some SOPs and an operating system, kind of more creating efficiency within their actual business. And then last but not least, you focused on some marketing with them. So I'd love to kind of get further into the weeds of those three subjects. Let's start with number one there. They were getting attacked. Uh, What type of attacks were happening to them? And what were some of the things that you did to help mitigate some of those attacks? Getting attacked, right? So meaning that there's like I believe three things. One of them is getting his node change all the time from that particular uh, uh, because in Amazon when you're having a variation and if some of the child reasons are not uh, the same, they kind of don't share the, the reviews. So they're breaking out all the reviews from let's say you're having uh, ten thousand reviews. If you if they kind of change your nodes on your child. It becomes uh, whatever the child that you land on, you'll show the reviews of that child. So it's like down to like maybe from 10,000, you get 200 orders, uh, 200 reviews for that when you uh, click into that uh, or you shows, you know, on that particular product. So that's one of them. And we had to uh, fix that part. Um, and uh, do you want me to go into detail or do you, is that? Yeah, awesome? keep, keep going. So you had the browse nodes. And I guess, and we've had similar experiences with the browse nodes. That's as easy as just making sure that you're on top of it and creating cases with seller support to get you back in the right browse nodes, correct? So you need to make sure you have a system to uh, know when you get alerts uh, for browse nodes change for for, uh, for an instant. So that's something that was there. And having some system that would automatically send out, uh, you know, like, files up onto Amazon to replace any uh, changes if they occurs. So things like that, we will make sure that you have in place, as well as the team to be there 24-7 between um, U.S. and U.S. and China. Have, how do you set up a team in order for you to make sure that there's no, like, gap between, uh, like, between, between, um, uh, time differences, so you won't have any delays in having your product be um, updated. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Howard, what were was some of the software that you implemented then to monitor, you know, these browse node changes and being able to automatically, you know, send in these bulk files to correct those issues? Yeah, um, just great software. Um, so it was custom. You you custom made software is what you're saying. There wasn't like a specific tool. You 
custom built something yourself. Yeah, there's no tools out there. A lot of tools that we use that no one really has, so we built them in house. So we we having our employees going through. Um, if you look at the case study, some of the tools that like how are we are able to see how uh, customers. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, other uh, other sellers, other brands are doing. How are they ranking the products? What going through all the history of all their past the changes that they did within the, um, within the the product? You'll see how they ranked it. What did they do? What was the the exact uh, strategies? So within that particular niche, because each niche is different, and uh, the strategy per seller is different. So you want to make sure that you go through a couple of sellers that are doing really well because people within the top 100 BSR changes left and right. Within the, within like the three months, they might be 30% of the people has are the, from last last time, last three months, are still there. You know, Eventually, within a year, only 10% of the people from when you started a year ago is still in the, the top 100 best sellers. So it changes left and right. So you, you want to make sure... Uh, you want to make sure that you are there and you're doing it correctly. Um, so, yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense, Howard. What other attacks, you know, did you see happening to that brand outside of browse nodes? Browse nodes, and another one was uh, changing uh, to adults. You know, adult flagging. Uh, we had uh, adult flagging. We had uh, picture changing. Um, things like that. So we, we we go through it and make sure that. Uh, there's a system in place in order for you to be up and back up if someone is uh, actually attacking you. We try to make it so that the whole listing does not is kind of more bulletproof, at least than if it wasn't. You know, if if you there's a process where you have to document all your cases that you didn't attack, so that Amazon would harden or toughen your ASIN, so they will like make it harder for people to be able to change it, even through uh, gating your ASIN. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think what I want to do is we'll kind of, we'll dive more back into like some of the black hat tactics that you see going on today and what sellers can do to kind of protect against them. But let's keep going down this, this case study here. Uh, Talk to us more about marketing, right? What, what additional types of marketing did you help implement in this business that effectively helped them double the marketing, uh, first we went through their listing, seeing which is, you know, what kind of skews that we need to work on and what kind of, uh, uh, you know, product, uh, like detail page and uh, listing optimization images, trying to make it the best of the best, you know. The first thing uh, I always tell you, before you go to marketing, first make sure that you convert. You have a high CRO page on your listing. So uh, we're talking about CRO. That's mainly for like TDC uh, shops usually, but um, right. this is actually the same thing as Amazon. Listing optimization, listing optimization uh, is probably part of it, but CRO uh, encompass all of it, right? From images, videos to uh, to the way you uh, the product speaks to itself, NLP, things like that is like uh, you know. It's like a full package. So how do we do the landing? How do we make it so that people don't go um, uh, to uh, to see your competitors more? How are you putting your products more up there through bundles? You know, you have another carousel or a little uh, widget that will block uh, or 
having your real estate on your listing part of listing page being hundred percent of that, how are you gonna get more of that uh uh space or having more of your own product on more pixels, you know? Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think time and time again as I've met with other um sellers and had them on the podcast, product optimization and conversion rate optimization is like one of the first things everybody goes to to say like you've got to have your basis covered, right? Like that's one of the things I think a lot of people neglect. They they start with their product, it has some success, and then they never go back and visit the product. And I know that I've been guilty of that in the past as well. And we're now focusing a lot more heavily onto just product optimization in general. So Howard, I would love to hear from you. Do you kind of have like an order of importance in terms of, you know, when you are needing to optimize a product for conversion rate, right? What are some of your go-to items um, or, you know, to-do list that you're going to look at to optimize a product? Yeah, for the company, we have an SLP on exactly for product cost. What we have to check mark on things that uh, we go through, like, for example, like the bundle widget we talked about, um, the editorial that we talked about, being uh, Amazon Choice, we have to go through and make sure that we have Amazon Choice on certain keywords that are impacting the sales most often. Uh, we want to make sure we have as much badges as we have. We have to make sure that uh, when you look at the page compared to your competitor, we stand out. You know, uh, so uh, so it's all about um, when you're seeing CRO, right? We're looking at CRO in the sense like, how do I make sure that when uh, someone looks at my page, my my listing detail on search. Uh, how uh, you know how search? How am I gonna be standing out? First of all, it's our pictures, right? They see the pictures. Then they go see in the you know maybe the front title. Then they go see in the how many promotions you have, how many coupon clips you have. Uh, do you have like are you release? Are you a bestseller? Are you what are you? And all those other little things like the the small business and. Uh, Oh, I forgot what the other, the other things have. We go through and make sure that we have everything. So we stand out. And then when we stand out, we structure pricing. That's one thing. And then we go in and people click on it. So getting a high click-through rate compared to your competitors, like a funnel, and then through a, a product display page, audio, we make it so that people are actually uh, buying our products and not leaking out to the rest of our competitors. You know, So that we call it leakage. You know, we have a lot of leakage on our page. So how do we do that? You know, if you look at Anchor, you look at the product, you look at going to the product display page, you'll see that all the products sponsored is all theirs, you know, all the Anchor, 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 and all the other products. You'll see the uh, freaking bought together, all Anchors, you know, Anchor products. You see, like, a lot of videos. You see a lot of, uh, I'm on a post. You know, you're all over the place. You're not letting your competitor come in and squeeze in. You got a good product defense. You have a good, you know, uh, uh, strategies. You know, things like that. It's like so much, so much stuff that you can do that people are not able to do. Most likely, any seven figures aren't doing it right because uh, not even eight figure sellers I see out there that are doing it to uh, like hundred percent. There's there's a lot of uh, things that you can optimize inside of the CRO wise. Right. That's just another when you're talking about marketing strategies. Sorry, my lights off. Uh, when you talk about marketing strategy, this is something that is a must. And yeah, I, I I love that. And then, like you know, no one even does deals. You know, no one does knows how to even do deals. In, in from what I can see, they don't know how you can rank your deals onto uh, 
onto the deal page, right? I, I don't think anyone in, that I know knows how to do that. So there's like so much stuff that is taking a uh, is 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 not even do is not, they're not even doing, and they're trying to bring in external traffic where they're not even doing the print the, the basics principle of CRO. Uh, yeah, I I completely agree with that thought process where people haven't even optimized and squeezed everything out of their detail page and product optimization, but yet they're they're chasing the new shiny object, which could be Google ads or TikTok ads and driving all this external traffic. And it's like, whoa, bro, like let's go back to the basics here and focus on our conversion rate optimization. You're the second person that I've interviewed that has used Anchor as kind of like the prime example as to like, here's a brand you should go emulate. Um, in terms of how they're doing their product detail page optimization. Um, and I love to hear like you even agree with their PPC strategy where they do take a, like no competitors are even coming onto their page in those sponsored ad spots because they've got their defensive campaigns set up and, and running very well there. So I think that's a big takeaway for, you know, even myself and a lot of the listeners is like, go take a look at anchor on Amazon and go follow the best practices. Like if you want somebody to go look at, that's the brand to go watch and see how they are optimizing their detail pages. So Howard, you briefly touched on this um, deals. You talked about like creating deals on Amazon and then getting your product seen on the deal pages. I honestly haven't heard anybody really talk about that in the industry but you went straight to that as like, hey, this is a big miss for a lot of people. So why is that? And, and tell us more about how you could actually get your deal found on the deals page. You know, like the stuff that I'm talking right now, it's, it's been, I've been teaching this since 2018 or something like that. You know, like this is not something like since 2018, still no one's doing it. Four years, or maybe the people that are in my uh, masterminds and uh and um, and the ESS that we sell outside people, but um, a lot of people they don't really know what what it is. But for deals, like how are you gonna? So if you go click on the deal, the top uh, left hand side, you'll see a deal section. You know, like a lot of people are doing that. They they don't know what to buy. They're just browsing to see if there's any good deals and stuff like that. Like like going to like slick deals, trying to find some kind of cool deals, something similar to that. Right? A lot of people are doing that. Don't neglect them. You go there, you are trying to rank a deal from, uh, from like, when you're having a deal, lightning deal, best deal, seven days, uh, two days deal, you're able to be able to rank based on how there's performance. There's a performance indicator that Amazon knows and will remember. So they will remember that there's this thing. So the more, the best, better the deal it performs, the more you rank compared to your competitor. Interesting. Where do people get access to creating deals? Are these like lightning deals that you're referring to then, or are they different deals? Lightning deal, uh, best deals, oh, any, any of the three or four deals out there that you can see. Okay. And I know, I think for, obviously, I think the, the lightning deals are self-service. I think in order to get like the deal of the day, I think you have to reach out to uh, an account manager or have an account manager on Amazon to do that. Is that correct? So there is a like a prerequisite of how much you have to have in stock, how much sales you're supposed to be able to uh, generate before you go into the deal. Because if you don't have stock, it's just minimum. Like if you don't have stock, then Amazon will push your deals to so many high PR websites out there. You know, 
page rank or you know Google rank websites out there. And if you're not able to perform, your your inventory is gone, then they're losing money. You know, also. So there's a lot of uh, things that you need to have. Uh, for us, we always get the best cheese uh, deals, you know, on our products back in the days when we were selling and stuff like that. You just need to build build your uh, build your trust in the within Amazon, and Amazon will come in and find you. So they're the one that found us to be the uh, the hoverboard. So we really wanted us to be uh, vendor central for our hoverboards for a long time. They keep on chasing, calling, and everything, and we kind of ignore them. But um, but you know, and also giving us all the deals, all the support, you know. So you just need to know how to do it in the correct way. Like people out there, they don't know. They think that SAS is the only way that they can get account manager. There's a lot of other ways. Right. So there's a lot of things that people are. Uh, people just need to be able to network outside, be able to talk to more people, to hire advantage. Uh, you know, like like we say, like uh, your network is your net worth. How you're gonna be moving out a lot faster if you go and uh, mingle with the uh, big big guys, right? Big guns, right? So if you're only like you're only like doing it yourself, well, I see this a lot. A lot of sellers say, "Oh, I'm the best. I'm the best. Uh, no, no one's out there is better than me." And then they just sit there and then and then uh, do it themselves. Uh, that's what I probably did because there wasn't at the time like these conferences and everything as a as an Amazon. So I I'm just doing myself everything like that. I have to learn it myself. I'm sure I could do it a lot faster if uh, there was a lot of like minded people where you're using your brain right. One you're only one person. You can only process that much stuff in the same time. But and then you only hear that many uh many, that much problems. But if you have like a hundred people in the room, or let's just say fifty people in the room, or twenty people in the room, that is like using their brains and using uh, and already done this kind of problem before. And then you get, oh, how do I fix this problem? You'll probably take like three months to try to fix this problem, but they already done it before, and you can fix it in a couple of days. Yeah. So, Howard, what you're kind of alluding to is like the importance of joining mastermind groups and being surrounded by sellers that are doing even more than you. That's why I love. You know, when I get the chance to speak with you, you know, you've got a wealth of knowledge and you're at even a higher level than where I'm at. And so every time I kind of take away from you is like some actionable steps that I can take to implement things in my own brand. So I'm a big advocate as well in terms of mastermind groups and, you know. Howard, anything else you want to add there? I remember you're like in a lot of different masterminds, right? You know this kind of stuff. You know you're like one of the... The, the next level people that go see a lot of different masterminds, which, which I do too. I go to a lot of different masterminds. I see a lot of things, a lot of, we see a lot of partnership evolve. We see not a lot of, uh, of like, uh, friends come out of it. You know, a lot of gates open when you go to a lot of different, uh, events and masterminds, especially the masterminds. I think that you're in a couple of them or three or four. How many masterminds are you in? Uh, I, I'm only in a couple. I was previously in War Room, and that's not a specific Amazon uh, group. I am part of, you know, uh, if you want to call it a mastermind group, but Brandon Young's inner circle, right? So kind of part of Brandon Young's group, and then going to be joining a new um, mastermind. It's called a bre- Breakthrough Mastermind, um, ran by Scott Duffy. Again, this is not something that's Amazon specific, um, but it is, these are where I go, and it just like, it takes my level of learning and like what I think I can do even in my own life and in my own business, like takes it to a next level as I hear the amazing things other people are doing. Um, I was listening to Alex Hormozzi's podcast too recently, and 
one of the things he talked about is like he went to a mastermind event. He heard somebody speaking on stage that was doing like, I don't know, three or four hundred thousand dollars a month uh, doing something. And Alex wasn't overly impressed by this gentleman. He was like, wait, if this dude can generate three to four hundred thousand dollars a month, I know for sure I could do that and more. And so I think like, you know, that there's different things that you'll learn when you come to a mastermind group. The networking is there, but it's also just like you'll have some huge mindset shifts. So I'm a big advocate of those. Um, Howard, I think this is a, is a good time to kind of talk about your mastermind. You do something with the Elite Seller Society and you have a mastermind big, you know, kind of event that you do once a year, I believe. Um, this is something that I've been very interested in. I keep asking you about, it. I think every time I, I talk to you, I'm like, Hey, do you have the dates and do you know where you're going yet? So tell us more about that. And what is it all about? What content are you sharing? So the elite color society is like, um, a mastermind that I have created. Um, it's everyone that's been in our event, uh, our mastermind events that gets, in, gets added into. And, um, we kind of go and help each other within our group. Like how to solve problems, uh, as well as um, if there's like um, something that we can offer our group through like other mentorships or through um, uh, like special like things. I'm working on getting our uh, all our membership members members uh, their own uh, their own uh, account rep so that they don't have to go through the SAS program or the SAS program that really sucks. So they're getting like really a good quality employees uh, 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 on Amazon being able to support them. So I'm talking to Amazon on that, on how we can actually make uh, that work for our members. So that's just something cool that I'm working with. Um, so things that things that are uh, doors open when you're in the mastermind. Uh, like, like you said, mind shift, change. Like you never you're in a box all the time. For most of the people that aren't in uh, in these masterminds, yeah, I'm talking about like. You're, even in these podcasts or in Facebook groups, you'll never get the same kind of uh, uh, like information that you really uh, could get on those different platforms than if it was in uh, Mastermind. You probably know that, Josh. Uh, so, like, I'm just sitting there and learning, and like, oh, there is this thing that out there to doing this stuff. You know, I'm not ready yet for it, but I know it's out there. It exists. So um, I need to do it. Like, for example, like um, digital marketing. You know, I'm into digital marketing. But, like, I went to, uh, I went to, um, uh, uh, traffic and conversion. Uh, I went to uh, a lot of um, Harry's events, like the weird events, you know, really. And, and yep. I, I'm even, I'm, I'm thinking about getting into those two masterminds, right? One from Roland's side, Roland's yep. side, and also from Harry's side. You know, so I'm trying to get, I'm looking into that. They're not cheap. They're like maybe 25000 a year. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's from the world, right? So. Yep. No, that that's great. And I agree with your statement there, Howard, in terms of, you know, the deeper tactics. If you want to go deep with stuff, you need to start reaching out and, and joining some of those mastermind groups. So I think it's going to take your learning to the next level. Now, Howard, I would be remiss if I don't ask this question as we kind of wrap things up with you. You've educated a lot of Chinese sellers, right? And I think there's a negative stigma in the marketplace where it's like, oh, the Chinese sellers, they, they just want to implement black hat tactics. And that's who's always attacking me. Um, 
you know, prior to this conversation, you and I discussed and you're like, you, you see kind of the black hat, black hat tactics kind of, you know, lessening to some extent or the, or another. But from your experience, you are so well versed on Amazon. I know a lot of sellers are fearful when it comes to black hat tactics. But would you mind kind of educating our audience in regards to what are the active black hat tactics that you see being implemented right now? And what are ways that sellers can do to protect themselves in advance? As well as what do you do if you do have a black hat tactic that actually affects you and attacks your listing? People think that, you know, like this stigma, like, hey, you know black hat, then you do black hat, right? But in reality is, if a person has been in this industry for so long, they would need to know how to protect themselves. What kind of black hat techniques, like what you're asking me, right? Um, so like uh, a computer security guy, right, who does computer security, needs to know how, to, how people are coming in and attacking the system. So if you're like a programmer and you're trying to do like uh, – that become like uh, virus scanners or something like that you, you don't know the, what the other parties are doing. There's no way you can you can you can even create a uh, uh, a defense campaign, you know, or a defense uh, project to help uh, alleviate those kind of pain points. So you have to know this black hat stuff. If you don't know it, you know, oh, uh, this guy or this the Chinese or the oh does all these black hats or knows all these black hats. They must be doing it, you know. That's so like that's one of the like the, the things that I really uh, think that these people have some kind of uh, not. It's not. It's not it has to open their mind more, you know. You have to know all this stuff. So going back to your question is uh, uh, what was it again? I'm sorry. What was the first one? Let's, let's go. Let's go step by step here. Tell us what are some of the active black hat tactics that you see going on in the marketplace right now? Out there, you know, people are changing images, people are sub nodes, they're attacking you, they're trying to get uh, uh, like uh, uh, an authentic claims, they're trying to say that this is defective, giving you reviews, but these are getting less and less because it's getting harder and harder to do. Like they're giving you negative reviews. After a certain while, the Amazon scans the system and it's all gone. But, uh, you know, they still try to do it. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things that uh, that Amazon is doing a great job at. They're actually uh, helping protecting uh, the sellers more and more. Uh, maybe it's not as fast as we want it to be, but if they are doing it, and you know they're a big company and stuff like that. But like, uh, I really like how they're helping uh, helping helping the, the seller community with that. So this is something that uh, I really like because if you a black hat is only very, uh, I would say something that you don't want to do because it's, it doesn't it doesn't help like overall like market we, I want I like to do marketing where we can actually do it within all platforms not just Amazon but Shopify so if you know how to do your uh, influencer marketing your media buying it's it goes all the way to like Facebook from Facebook driving traffic to your website Shopify or to your Amazon to Walmart they're all the they're all the same so you're learning a trick that's not just for Amazon it's for everything. So, uh, so for Black Hat, it's only for Amazon, right? And also, it's not. It comes and goes, and it's hard. It's hard to maintain. So, so I wouldn't want anyone to try to use it uh, because uh, it's not really something that is scalable. With which is what you're talking about. How to scale brands? Yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense, and it's encouraging to hear from your perspective that you do see Amazon, may, you know, taking some proactive steps to 
mitigate those. It's by no means perfect, as everybody would know. But I do agree that, you know, a lot of those loopholes are now more closed than they were in the past. So, Howard, kind of the next question onto that is what should sellers be doing and how do they proactively prepare or, you know, put up walls to prevent these attacks from happening to them? Okay, so first of all, you have to build a team, right? Uh, seven figures, you should have enough money, hopefully, because you have enough profit margin, uh, like 20%, hopefully. Uh, you'll have to be able to have some kind of invest into building a great team to be able to look at this, you know, through, uh, through the, some of the software out there that alerts you for kind of changes and no changes or other things. But be able to have someone that will be able to monitor that more often. Uh, make sure that all your products are uh, secure, meaning that you're listed in all different countries of those uh, with Amazon in there so that no one can insert like keywords or insert some kind of uh, image changes into your product. Um, uh, make sure that uh, you have all your fields uh, inserted. Uh, so maybe it doesn't seem all oh, so tedious, but a lot of the fields are searchable that you don't might not know. They're searchable and viewable. You know, you should go into your category if you are serious about expanding in Amazon. You should go into your category and make sure that all your fields are uh, tested. Is this searchable? Which field within this uh, subcategory, the fat file, which of these are are able to be seen? I, I used to do like Howard one, Howard two, Howard three, Howard four. Uh, you know, with no space and then search. Can I see? Howard 1, Howard 2, Howard 3, Howard 4. And then I see which one of these fields are open, that are viewable or searchable. After I see if any of these are seen on the PDQ page, okay, I know these, I mark down, uh, these are actually viewable. And uh, and then I go in and I search on the search bar, it's like Howard 1, Howard 2, Howard 3, are these searchable? So you insert more keywords in there and you make sure that, you know, you uh, have a highly, you know, highly, uh, highly uh, searchable and viewable page. And things like that, it's like something you need to do. Yes, it's a, it's a hassle, but you're talking about a, a particular uh, sub-node, right? It's worth it. It's not even that much work for, uh, and there's a lot of benefits coming out of it. Even with uh, more characters that more more characters that you can put in to be searched. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. So what you're saying is like on the back end of Amazon, when you're creating your listing, right, there's a ton of different fields in there, right? And I think, you know, sellers are like, well, these are the minimum requirements to like, I got to get my bullets, my description, my search terms in there, right? Everything else, eh, it's not worth the time. What you're saying is like Amazon is actually showing some of that content um, on the detail page. It's blank if you leave it blank, but it leaves room for hackers, so to speak, to implement their their black hat tactics on your listing by uploading those bulk files or feed files and, you know, manipulating some of that. So that's what you're saying is like, just make sure that all of those fields are filled out and seeing what is searchable uh, on the actual detail page. Right. Is that correct? Uh, also the, the things that you filled out on that page can reflect the searchability, uh, not just the, uh, the search bar, but also on your, uh, left-hand side, you see the filters on when you're searching for a product. The filters are there. Like you know, you'll, you'll see if you put it in correctly, you'll get more eyeballs because when people uh, filter, they will be able to see your product. You know? 
Okay, so you're also saying like when you're in your browse category, right? Let's say you're you're looking for uh, a toilet, let's say is the most recent example because we had to replace some toilets in our house. So I, I went to Amazon and I was filtering on different sizes of toilets, right? So is it a 22-inch toilet or is it elongated, right? Or is it kind of your standard round bowl, right? Those are your like standard things, but on the left-hand side, if you're on desktop, there's those like filters that you can filter by, right? And if you're not adding that content in there, like, hey, this is an elongated bowl, when a shopper like myself goes in and says, hey, I'm looking for an elongated toilet bowl, like you're you're not going to show up, right? Because Amazon's like, well, I have no idea. You didn't fill out this field. All right, Howard, this has been awesome. You've shared a lot of advice with us. And so I've got my final three questions that I like to ask everybody. But before we do get to those um, final questions, I love to leave the audience with three takeaways, um, actionable takeaways from each episode. So Howard, here are the three takeaways that I have noted. Let me know if you think there's something that I'm missing. Number one, one of the things that differentiated you as a top 50 seller on Amazon is that you were unique in terms of the product opportunities that you sought for, right? You were one of the first ones to create bundling opportunities. You didn't just say, hey, look, this guy's making a lot of money selling, you know, uh, you know, cell phone cases. I'm just going to create another Me Too product of cell phone cases. Instead, you're like, hey, here's the cell phone case, but I'm also seeing a lot of frequent purchases with this. HDMI cable, let's give it away as like this free add-on. And now we've completely differentiated ourselves. So becoming creative and innovative with your new products that you're bringing to the market. Don't just look at Amazon and say, hey, this is what the best seller's doing, so that's what I should create. Instead say, this is what the best seller is doing. What else could I do to beat that guy and make this an even more compelling offer and help the end consumer? Yeah, if you're serving the end consumer, you will always win. Action item number two, I would go back to listing optimization. And Howard shared, uh, he rattled off a lot of different things that you can be doing um, with your listing optimizations. Um, the standard stuff we've already heard about is like, all right, your images, your title, your bullets, your description, A-plus content. That's well and good, but Howard also added on some additional information that I think are some easy wins for people to, to add on today. If you haven't introduced bundles, virtual digital bundles for your product, it's free and it takes up more space on your Amazon listing. Make sure that you got your virtual bundle set up. You could do editorials for your product, right? And there's services that will create those editorials. Um, there's ways that you can run promotions, right? Getting on the deals page, um, creating lightning deals, creating coupon codes, getting the strike through pricing. All of these are, are great best practices and you could spend a month focused on each one at a time, but it's those 1%, you know, incremental improvements that you're going to make. That's going to make a huge difference um, at the end of the day. And anchor is probably one of the best brands to kind of look at on Amazon to say to today to say, Hey, what does a really optimized product listing look like? And how do they make sure that they squeeze out competition to prevent leakage, what you mentioned earlier? And then last but not least, I would say an actionable takeaway is that people need to understand the black hat tactics. Go and understand what, what are the black hat tactics, not for you to go implement them in your own business, 
but you need to be aware so that you're not caught off guard and you're the one who is susceptible to getting attacked because a lot of these black hat tactics can actually be prevented if you're just a little bit more proactive with your listings, right? I think the analogy was perfect. If you are trying to prevent people from hacking into your website, right, and you're uh, a coder or data security specialist, you're going to be spending your time in a lot of those hacking Facebook groups or hacking Reddit forums or wherever they hang out because you got to know what they're discussing so that you can prepare yourself and make sure your defenses are up. So, Howard, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you think we should kind of add to that summary there? Yeah, we said too much already. <laughs> well, you, you shared a lot of great content. Um, Howard, last three questions. To begin, what is the most influential book that you've read and why? Okay, so uh, the book, uh, I would say, is a classic. Um, this is called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, this is actually, I'm, I'm always reading it over and over again because it's so deep, right? And it helps you uh, mind, mindset shift like crazy because then you actually know there's more than just uh, doing one thing. You know, you want to look at the bigger picture from the out from the outside. So not just within a box, just sit there in a box and do your thing, but you have to go look at it from different angles. So this is, uh, in theory, you know, this, this is a, the, one of the best books and the book that I've still, after all these years, I'm still listening to it, listening to it. If you have a competitor, how are you going to you gonna take them down? Art of War is the best book to uh, to look at. To listen to that that is a great book. I've heard it before, and it is a very deep book. That's one that uh, it's difficult to listen on two x speed because there's so much content flying at you all at once, and you're like, "Holy smokes! Hold on, let me just take a step back. I've got to like actionably like take dissect this thing apart." So uh, I, I would echo your statement there, Howard. All right, next question. What is your favorite productivity tool or resource? Productivity book. Okay, for we, I know this might be silly, and oh, there's all software and stuff. I, I maybe, uh, I love to write everything down because uh, then when I scratch it up, uh, scratch it out, it gives me dopamine, right? So, oh, shit, I accomplished something, you know? And we're doing that by steps, and oh, I'm doing another one. Oh, I did another. Uh, 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 scratch off the thing, even though you might have a lot more added to it, at least you have this feeling of when you scratch the how good it feels. But when you like delete stuff, I don't have that sense, the same sense of uh, fulfillment or that sa same sense of dopamine coming in where, you know, oh, uh, I finished one thing because it, it doesn't, it's maybe, you know, as, as us, I'm kind of a little, I'm like 44 and I've, I've been, you know, in classes, we, we always like, write stuff down and everything. So maybe scratching it off makes a sense of fulfillment for me. So that's a productivity tool that I was, I want more of this dopamine. Give me more. <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you. And I think it is like, it's funny, like you could be spouting off a lot of different software tools and things like that. But, you know, you're the second person I interviewed Ryan Dice earlier this week. And he said the same thing. His productivity tool is uh, sticky notes. And he jots down his ideas and his action items there on a sticky note crosses it out once it's done. And he's got a big old stack of like accomplished sticky notes there. There is something to like bringing a pen to paper that makes a difference. Um, it, it actually, you know, triggers some neurons in your brain that, that open up, you know, your mind to different thoughts and ideas. So 
I, I like that productivity hack, so to speak, Howard. All right, here's my last question for you. Who is somebody that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space that people should be following and why? So, Ryan Dice, and, uh, or I would say Ron Fraser would be one of the one. Um, the reason why is uh, because they've created, a first, a really good community, right? That's something that I'm always trying to achieve, uh, making my masterminds better. Um, how do we make this not just a group, a Facebook group, how do we make this become a brotherhood? You know, like that connection. You know, how do we how do we put an experience, some connection into this uh, this uh, this mastermind? So that's what I see that they do great. First, they have a great business. Second, they have a great community. Third, they have a great mastermind. You know, you, you know how they what how they do their stuff. So yeah, I, I definitely echo that as well. We've had Roland Frazier on the podcast. He's one of the first podcast guests that I interviewed. So. Go scroll all the way back to his episode. It's all about acquisition strategies of how you can grow your e-commerce brand just by acquisitions. And there's a lot of strategies, not just acquiring another, you know, FBA business, but there's media, there's intellectual property that you could be acquiring. And he breaks it all down in that episode. And then Ryan Dice um, just had an interview. So it's going to be probably right before yours, Howard. They can just go back uh, a, an episode or two and listen to Ryan Dice about implementing operating systems in a business, just like you talked about how important it is to build out your team and then creating SOPs and systems to run things. That's one of your, I think, like wicked smart hacks that you would recommend to anybody, especially once they've crossed that seven-figure mark to scale above and beyond. You've got to be good with your systems and processes. So uh, great shout-outs to those gentlemen. Um, Howard, last thing here. Where should people go to find you that if they want to join your mastermind group? Where should they go? So I would suggest they want to try to get into the uh, Signalytics user group. It's a group that uh, for our company uh, that I would I would always announce stuff there. I would always uh, be you know in there talking and stuff like that about stuff. So I would think that that's the best way. Um, if you're if that one and also my page, my Howard Tai page. Because my uh, personal uh, page is my personal profile is already over the five thousand mark, so it's it's hard for me to add anyone. I think that's the best way to actually uh, you know see what we have on the mastermind side. If you contact me, um, uh, you can always uh, email me at howard.ty at signalytics.ai. Awesome, Howard. Thank you so much for Signalytics for everybody's information. The way you spell it is S-I-G-N-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S. That's Signalytics, okay? And uh, Howard's also got his own, you know, uh, website. It's Howard Ty. Ty is spelled T-H-A-I dot com. So go check him out. Um, I'm going to be continuing to follow you, Howard. Look forward to uh, joining your mastermind uh, events and groups there. And so thank you for your time today. And uh, looking forward to touching base again in the future with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.